0: Hey, y'all, welcome to Deconversion Therapy, and it's only me today, because once in a while I do a solo one so that Bonnie can go work and bring home the bacon. But I wanted to just say hi, we're going to have fun today, um, because the end of the world is coming this week. So I'm putting this out on Wednesday, The I think it'll be the 21st. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. Maybe no one will hear this because people will be gone. But I thought it would be a good time to talk about the rapture. So let's have a little fun with it, of course. um, You know I will be joking around, but I'm aware that there is a lot of trauma that goes with worrying about the rapture, even for people who have left Christianity they have such an ingrained fear into them, and it was to me, believe me, that it's really difficult to sort of peel back all the layers until you're finally left with, you know what, my heart rate doesn't keep going up when I hear about the rapture. Anyway, let's talk a bit about it. Um, Of course, follow us on the social medias, and we've got merch and Venmo. You know, it's all in there. Details. By the way, for this time in our lives, we have new merch that says non-Christians for the rapture. Go see it below. We've got a few stickers. But what would really help, of course, is if you share this Uh, episode, but share the podcast in general and rate and review it. So let's get raptured together. Let's be enrapturnated, which is the scholarly term for it. I will be using Other scholars for this work. I will be using Bart Ehrman. I will be using Dan McClellan. I will be using someone with a W that I will think of later. And when I'm just expressing my opinion, I think you will know because it will be the one that does not sound intelligent. Speaking of unintelligent, uh, let's talk about the timing of the rapture, because according to a lot of TikTok preachers, and then that has spread to other areas, the rapture is this week. Now, we know that in the Bible it said, no one knows the day or the time. And that's how they get around it, because they're like, yeah, I'm not saying a day and a time, I'm saying a week, I'm saying a season, I'm saying everything is lined up. Granted, these are not formally educated scholars, and many of them didn't even go to seminary, but they all do wear ball caps. So that's how you know they know the real stuff. Now, they base it on exactly what everyone has been basing all these things on for the last centuries, is that, oh, look, everything is lining up according to God's Word, because here I'm going to look at the stars, I'm going to add some numbers, I'm going to watch the news, and this is all going to wrap up like a Tootsie Roll, and boom, we're getting raptured. Now, they said this around this time last year, and the ones who predicted it last year coming who are doing it this year again, have admitted that they got something wrong with the calculations, y'all. It was their Casio watch that messed everything up and they are saying it now again. Some interesting ones on TikTok though, believe that the rapture is coming and they're warning people about it and they're staying live all day, which if you're not on the app, You can either make a video and post it at your leisure, or you can be live. And some of these dudes are on there all day, and they also have their cash app open. So I'm wondering, what do they need the cash for? One of these dudes who is a self-appointed pastor um, has said that people need to, one, get their wills in line and to get their life insurance policies up to date as if when he and all these other christians disappear insurance companies are going to be like yeah we're we're ready to pay out trillions of dollars because people vanished i think we're going to yeah it'll just be fine what i have been doing on the app is of course you know running our post-rapture committee about who is in charge of what and what we're going to be doing because there's going to be a lot that we need to do. The LGBT community, of course, will be running the Chick-fil-A's. Someone has volunteered to go through and smudge the Hobby Lobbies before we use them. We have people who are on cleanup committee. They're going to go to some of the big churches, Uh, According to the fiction of Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins that scared everyone with the Left Behind series, it is not based in anything theological. People's contacts will fall to the ground, and clothes will be left on the ground. So we're going to send people to the big churches so they can sweep up the Rolex watches, the boob implants, the IUDs, you know, anything that is not just flesh. I'm starting to feel like the word flesh is like the word moist. I just, I don't like it. There's going to be a lot that we're going to have to do. And when I talk about the rapture, it is my opinion that anyone who professes they are a Christian, they are a Christian. And I talk about this a lot because if we say people are fake Christians, then we let A whole lot of terrible, ignorant Christians off the hook for terrible things they have done, hello, January 6th. There are idiot Christians and uninformed Christians and cool Christians and loving Christians. So we have to just go face value and assume that when we're talking about the rapture, which is not biblical, that we are talking about all the people who profess that they're Christian getting sucked up. All right, so that's where we're going to start. When I deconstructed a long time ago, about 20, 25 years ago, how I dealt with the rapture and the rapture trauma was finally just believing that the Bible wasn't true— And that was the way I dealt with it. But I didn't know a lot that I've learned these days um, about what the book is actually about, because it is the difficult, most difficult book in the Bible, according to anybody who's read the Bible, which is not many people. So, what does it mean? Why is it there in the fucking first place? I mean, there is suspense in it, but there is horror. 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 Uh, you know what there is. It's scary stuff. It's like super violent. And I think a lot of people, especially a certain type of dude, is very attracted to it because it's very fire, brimstone, conquering, I'm going to go lift my weights at the gym type of stuff. And I think that's why a lot of our trolls that come after us on any of our platforms who are sort of that kind of person really love to push Revelation. But what's interesting about Revelation is that it never mentions the word love And that is why it almost wasn't included in the Bible. And this is some stuff I learned, and let's learn it together. One of the main things is that the word rapture is not in the Bible. That comes from these things that uh, were in different verses about snatching away. And Revelation never talks about Christians being taken away. I did not know that. It's not in the Bible, but it's read into the Bible. And I'm going to say why that these great people have revealed to me very soon. But the biggest issue for scholars and readers about Revelation is how it changed the Jesus in the Bible. Because throughout the Gospels and the letters from Paul and all that— Jesus is loving, he's forgiving, he's nonviolent, all these things. And then Revelation totally flips the script. And suddenly he it comes down with vengeance. Uh, There is terrible violence and some like wild sex scenes. You got it all. There's a huge lack of love, even condemning and throwing into eternal torment. Christians, they like to forget that part, where Jesus was like, hey, let's not have so much money and what we do have, let's feed people. Revelations is the opposite. It talks about the mansions and the streets of gold and that they're going to have this and they're going to have all this, you know, money. And the same thing goes for when Jesus talks about how to treat people. He always talks about servanthood or being a servant or being of service to different people. And Revelations is all about dominance. So, this is like a big hurdle, and why a lot of people just avoided the book altogether. Because which one do you go by, especially if that one is the last in the Bible? Our readers of the New Testament to leave and go, Oh, okay, now I'm coming out of this book with the newest version of Jesus, which is just absolutely horrifying and everything that we would usually put with New Testament Satan. So in my hands, I have Bart Ehrman's uh, book, How to Read the Book of Revelation. Oops, never mind. It's called (laughs) Armageddon, what the Bible really says about the end. You can go look uh, in our Our info down below there, and you'll see in our book, Rex, we have it there. You can get it however you want. Um, But it talks about, like, what is this whole apocalyptic book? And apocalyptic writing was common for that day and time. I know we want it to be about us, but it was common for that day and time. And one book that also had some apocalyptic type chapters was the book of Daniel, which a lot of people, when they're trying to say what Revelation really means, they're like, well, that goes with Daniel, bloop, bloop, blop. And I'm not going to get into the details that this book does, but if you're really interested in this stuff, this is an easy to read, you know, very helpful book in that. So the book of Revelation was written by John of Patmos, not the same John of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but this is called the Revel- oops Revelation of John, and it's a kind of literature that is called a genre, which, you know, today we have fan fiction, we have romance, you know, you're going to find on the shelves different genres of writing, and this was a popular one in that day, and it revealed, you know, spiritual truths It used different kind of imagery, and modern scholars that study All the surviving apocalyptic books have put together, you know, what makes up this kind of book. What I also found out, by the way, is that Peter, yeah, that's St. Peter, he wrote his own apocalyptic book, but they decided that one wasn't going to go in the Bible. This one was, and you can find out about that more in... uh, Well, maybe I'll tell you. Who knows? Who knows? Remember, I got to do this fast because it's coming. It is coming. So let me tell you some ways or uh, attributes of apocalyptic literature. First person, so it might be anonymous or whatever, but it is told in the first person, and it consists of visions and dreams, which are given by God through divine intermediaries, who then reveal their meanings to a human seer. So, these visions and dreams contain, like, bizarre images, like the wild beasts and supernatural creatures. The narrative can come in two forms, you know, either symbolic sketches of the future or peeks into heaven itself— In both cases, the visions reveal heavenly truths that can't easily be explained. In particular, they try to explain why this world involves so much suffering, especially for the chosen ones, and if the God who created the world is even sovereign in the first place. They are usually uh, narrated in such a way that it's triumphant, showing that in the in God will win, and guess who's on God's side? Yeah, it's going to be you who's reading it. To explain how uh, presumptuous it is for modern-day ball-cap dudes to say they understand Revelation Is to look at what one of the quote greatest, um, you know, people of Christian thought thought about the book, and that's Martin Luther. And he said, about the book of Revelation of John, I leave everyone free to hold his own opinions. Hey, I'm a girl. And would bind no man to my opinion or judgment. I miss more than one thing in this book, and this makes me hold it to being neither apostolic nor prophetic. First and foremost, the apostles do not deal with visions but prophecy and clear, plain words, as do Peter and Paul and Christ and the gospel but I can and nothing detect that revelation was provided by the Holy Spirit. So some people, early Christians, either threw it out, or I'm going to tell you how they interpreted it in a bit. And hopefully, again, this is to ease your mind that it is not biblical, and it definitely isn't this week. In fact, This apocalyptic book of John and Patmos, he writes some letters within it, and it is the only book in the entire New Testament that says that Christ actually wrote it. Um, And a lot of followers were definitely unhappy to sort of read that kind of thing, especially when there was so much terribleness in it and where... You know, it talks about him hating people, even the followers. So it just didn't land well with a lot of people. So, what I understand the historic context of Revelation is that Paul and other apostles had written to the Thessalonians. And the Thessalonians were in Asia Minor, or I think it's modern day Turkey now, and there were seven particular churches. They were told, and by John Patmos, the guy who wrote this, as a traveling preacher, as one does, that Jesus is returning in their lifetime. That's right. The apostles thought Jesus was returning then. Not only did they say he would be returning in our lifetime, they would say before the end of our generation. And even when Paul was talking about um, people greeting Jesus, which I'll get to, in the sky, he said Jesus is first going to raise up those who are dead, and then he's going to, you know, deal with we who are alive. So, Paul thought that Jesus was returning in their lifetime. It's only us, yes, us, with our hubris who think that Revelation is about us, and it is about today, um, because that that's who we are, and that's who people have been through, you know, thinking through history. The book of Revelation and a lot of apocalyptic literature was to try and gird up and sort of psych up, so to speak, people who were being persecuted, or now scholars say the persecution might not have been the extent that they thought, that it might just seem like they thought they were being persecuted. And so the book would give them encouragement to be like, you will be the victors. Stay straight with God. Don't get away with any of these false teachers, which the false teaching thing comes all throughout Revelation. And I keep getting called a false teacher by people with no names on um, uh, social media. So, the idea is to keep those people in the faith and keep them focused because one day they will get to be triumphant over their enemies. And let's talk about who their enemies were in the first place. Their enemies were exactly who ours are. (laughs) The rich, the one percenters, the Romans. And so, when we see all these things of, yeah, well, you're going to win, and God's on your side, and then you're going to get a bunch of riches, that is the whole thing that they're trying to talk about. And, uh, you know, and how do I say analogy, but say it ick? analogic. Who knows? Way in this letter, basically, to those seven Thessalonian churches. Now, why he wrote it to these churches is, again, because they thought they'd been told that Jesus was going to come in their lifetime, and then they were like, wait, uh, some of our people in our church have passed away, and this makes us upset, because you said that Jesus was coming. And John, this John, had already traveled to those churches to give them encouragement. So a lot of the things he probably said in Revelation that no one can interpret, those churches were probably more familiar with because he would say it in his sermons or whatever they were called in that day. But this was an encouragement to them to be like, Oh, yeah, no, hold on, he's coming. And so it is only in the last you know, century and a half that people have even thought that it might be a prophetic-type book rather than one that was happening at that time. So let's get to the actual fucking rapture information because I did not know this, and I am pissed, and I have no one to tell but you, so I apologize for that. Um, So... The the issue is that people believed that Jesus would come in the end and build his kingdom on earth, right? But the rapture would have been a second coming of Jesus before that, as in Jesus is going to return and he's going to grab up all the Christians and then... There's going to be a lot of tribulation down here. Lots of terrible, scary stuff and seven-headed monsters. Yeah. And then Jesus would again return and set up his kingdom on earth. Now, there are different churches who think that the Christians will still be down here to enjoy some of that tribulation, some of that suffering. And the people who believe that, rather than that God would protect his loved ones from terrible things, are the ones who usually make more money. Because people like Jim Baker and some people I've seen online— When you're scaring people saying, hey, Christians, you're going to be suffering, guess what you get to do? You get to sell buckets of free dried food because they're saying, we want you to be protected and safe. And we have an agreement with Bobo's Bunker Company, so you're going to build yourself a bunker. And this is how God's children are going to stay safe and you're going to buy from me these mixtures and all that bullshit because that is the only way. If that church believes that Jesus is going to, quote, rescue all the Christians before all the terrible tribulation, then, you know, you're not going to sell a bucket of taco dinner. But the way that rapture idea happened (laughs) is, uh, I thought it was in the Bible, but let's just start from the somewhat, the somewhat beginning. I am not even going to go over. Uh, there's a part about sort of um, rebuilding Israel that a rich man started doing because he saw a verse in the Bible, and he had tons of money, and This started influencing even policies that we have today, especially in America, and some Zionist viewpoints. But we're going to talk about uh, John Nelson Darby. So in the 1830s, there was a conservative, I know, I know, conservative preacher named John Nelson Darby. And he was part of the Plymouth Brethren community, or he started it, or it all sounds terrible. And just, you know, they're over there in Plymouth, and things are really exciting at that church. And he had been doing some different writings about things, and he'd been traveling, and he was really looking into— this concept that, wait, maybe Jesus comes down because there's some verses in the Bible, I can tie to it, and he he takes all the people up with him before he comes back that last time at the the great ba- Battle of Armageddon. And in fact, he travels to Glasgow, Scotland, because he hears that they're speaking of, in tongues, there's some other miracles being done there. And he's introduced to a teenage girl named Margaret McDonald. Margaret McDonald tells people of the vision or the dream that she has that really reflects what today we see as the rapture of God, Jesus descending, sorry, I guess the one or the, I don't know, descending from heaven. He combines this with what he already believes and he brings it back to the States. A few things. Can you imagine if some of these great Christian men preachers just got behind the pulpit and said, you know, I actually believe in theology that a teenage girl dreamt of in 1830? Like, that would be the same as them scoffing at Mormons for digging up the gold tablets, right? People would just say that's ridiculous, but that isn't how it was presented, of course, because no one came and said, you're listening to a teenage girl. It was John Nelson Darby himself, who then, with his own ideas and writings, put that into his own theology. What happened next is, I think, one of the most crucial things, and that was the Schofield Study Bible. Now, because this John Nelson Darby dude came back saying about again this second coming of Jesus, it means that Revelation then turned into this futuristic situation rather than one of historical significance for the people of the day who were upset about Rome and upset at the apostles and all that. Now it makes it this thing that's going to happen in the future and that people should look out for. And when the Schofield Study Bible came around right there at the turn of the century, and Schofield had gone to some of these conferences, I think there was one um, in Niagara and some other places that had these kinds of teachings that Nelson Darby brought back, then the beliefs of those people who are very influential ended up turning the tides of everything. So when the Schofield Study Bible came out in 1908 or something, 1909, here we go, then there was something very different in that Bible than had been in other Bibles. And if you grew up in the church, you had this kind of Bible, whether it was the Schofield one or not. And that was that You would have maybe a little middle bar that would have verses just written in it, like Mark 2, Mark 7, even if you're reading Daniel or whatever, because they wanted to say, hey, this is similar and you can cross-reference it to this other book. So not only was it cross-referencing the things that Schofield agreed with, but there were also topic labels. So when you open your Bible, you would see, you know, the creation of Adam and Eve, and you would read that. But there would be other things where the topic gave you the mindset and the lens of how to read those verses. So people who didn't adopt to this rapture uh, theology, which a lot didn't. There was a split in the church, all these things. The ones who didn't, they now would be getting this great Bible that then would have headings about when Jesus comes to get his people, when he returns, the rapture, etc., etc., even if the verses were interpreted differently. For 1,800 years— Suddenly, this was changing the way people thought, even though I thought God was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The Schofield Bible was used in places like the Moody Bible Institute and other places that educated evangelical pastors. So you can see how it's like snowballed. And although people in England who had some of the same beliefs, they, it didn't pick up there. So that's why you have a lot of Christians who do not believe in the rapture at all. I thought they all did. But no, if you were lucky enough, you're the one that needs therapy for it. And I guess the other people are off the hook. In Bart Aram's book, he picks apart the different things that people point to in other books of the Bible. The one about where it says Jesus will descend and we'll meet them in the air— was very particular to that historical time when kings or queens or whoever they got back then were arriving. The town would know it. They would start putting out, you know, outside of their walls a big, long sort of red carpet, but it might be with flowers or whatever it was. And then the people would go out far into you know, outside of their area to greet and then escort the royalty into their town. And so what the meaning of that is, according to biblical scholars, meant that people, since Jesus wasn't going to be walking a road and coming into the town, but he was going to be descending out of heaven. It was this metaphorical, we're going to meet you there and escort you back into earth where you belong, which, again, would refer to that last time Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom. Now, for people who read it more as a historical thing, they see it as revelation already happening, you know, that Jesus is the king of the world and that Satan has been defeated. And believe me, I get that every time. Man, I'm going back to social media. I need therapy. So that is what people in back then really thought was happening. But the ones who go for this um, dispensational, this uh, futuristic view ...of Revelation, they can use it more as a threat. I mean, I loved it as a kid because it scared the shit out of me. We had to go see, Bonnie and I, had to go see um, Thief in the Night, which was this... If you've ever seen a 70s film about anything, it's scary. There's just something about the film quality then. It just makes it horrifying. Um, And then this had such terrible, scary imagery that we were horrified. I was remembering the other day someone triggered me about when we would do like Easter presentations and some of the youths were spread out in the congregation to be like um, village people and shout things I just remembered that we had to shout, crucify him, crucify him. I mean, we're kids talking about killing someone as entertainment for a church service. So there were a lot of things that (laughs) fucked us up. But we would look for the devil in everything and look and see, oh, is this the mark of the beast? Is this this? Well, 666, now scholars are telling us that it is misrepresented and that if you look at whatever the symbols are, it means 616, but don't tell people that because a lot of people have gotten tattoos. Um, But 666, everyone used to look and go like, oh, who is it? And in the olden days of, um, what was his name? Was it Martin Luther, I think? He thought that obviously it was the Pope. But other people really thought it was Mussolini, thought it was Mikhail Gorbachev, thought it was Saddam Hussein, you know, because he was the ruler of Babylon, so that works with it. There were People who believed, and I do too, it was Ronald Reagan, because his name was Ronald Wilson Reagan, and each of those names have six letters. And so there's your 666. Other people, of course, thought that it could be Donald Trump, because he was elected in 2016, and as it turns out, is the sum of 666 plus 666 plus 666. Anyway, a lot of people love, love them numbers. Of course, scholars say that that comes from Caesar Nero that you know, lived right before Revelation and that had to do with that. But we love to pull it in and go, how does this affect us? How is this a we? How can I see that 666 and those symbols in an Oreo cookie? So, a big thing that theologists or Bible scholars say is that the reason that Revelation was included, since it is so off the path of who Jesus was in the Gospels, is that, well, everything's politics, right? So, in Revelation, it does say that God says, I'm the Alpha and Omega, and in other verses in the New Testament, Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and Omega, so it connects them together. Boom, you've got a trinity. You have that connection for those two being one in the same. So, for a certain amount of Christians, it, including it in the canonization of the Bible, put forth that... Hey, look, our interpretation that we've been yelling at you because that's what Christians do is correct and yours is wrong. And that is why Peter's apocalyptic book did not make it, although Peter supposedly was even a better writer than this John and Patmos who had a lot of misspellings and bad grammar. Once I began to understand, and even just recently, that my pastor and we in my denomination, every church I went to, read the Bible through the lens of already believing the rapture theology, it began to make sense. When that wasn't introduced in 1830, before that, people read it as a book as the whole thing. And they didn't understand a lot of the bullshit. And believe me, a lot of people here don't either. Then that's how they saw it. Now, I love there is this woman. I know, I'm gonna say TikTok. I know, I can't believe you guys aren't on it. I can't believe I talk about it this much. We're not gonna, it's an issue. Anyway, this woman, who's a cuckoo nut, is like, Hey, guys, I think I just decoded it. 100,000 people like this video. That's the the shit that scares me. She's like, I just decoded it. When it says in Revelation that, you know, there the 200 billion army that's going to come and destroy people, I mean, believe me, there's just pick a pick a verse of violence in Revelation. She's like, I just figured out what it was. It's trains. And because, uh, yeah, right then when she was saying that months ago, it was because of a train derailment. It was because of the spread of a chemical. And she's like, what if that is what the Bible is saying? And um, I think it was Dan McClellan who was like, first of all, the the train issues are have been about the same amount of derailments in the last 10 years. And if they wanted to say it was a train, they would have said it was a battering ram because—and then he shows all these ancient pictures of battering rams in the time of the writing that people would be familiar. And if they were—you know, if God was trying to tell us it was a train, he would have already known to call it a battering ram. Anyway— that she felt she is the one, and I mean, she's a woman, first of all, that she has decoded the entire world for everybody is just hubris. It's just freaking unbelievable, like unbelievable. So the people that are saying, yeah, well, it's happening this week are also unbelievable. They're adding up numbers. They're Uh, They're using a lot of um, witchy and astrologizing stuff that you're not supposed to do to say when Jesus is coming. Someone uh, was trolling me and was saying, you know, uh, that nobody knows the day. They love to say this, uh, except... The Father, like Jesus doesn't even know, it says, but God does. And so I said, oh, so God and Jesus are not one and the same. And he's like, yes, they're all the same, the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus. And I'm like, well, then how come God knows something that Jesus doesn't know, especially if Jesus is going to be the main character in this little deal? And then I got blocked. But there are so many things— that you can look at now, once you peel away that fear that it's not going to happen, that you're going to say, oh, wait a minute, even when God says, I'm the Alpha and Omega, I am the beginning and the end, wait, I thought you said there was no beginning and end to God. So even these small things that people will brush aside are just millions of them that will begin to tear away at this. Now, I did not focus on Israel's uh, involvement in all of this and how people talk about, you know, a fig tree and Israel is blooming and how they became a nation in 1948 and people are adding numbers to that to say that it's now because. You could have 28 of these fucking episodes, and no one wants to listen to me say that stuff. But I want you to feel rest assured that, first of all, the reason that, in my opinion, the rapture sticks with us is because we had it with us when we were so young, and it was a terror of imagery against our innocent minds. So it had a huger impact to us than, uh, you know, other things might or other things did in later years. Imagery is something that stays in the mind much more than just audio or, vi- you know, or reading something. Once you have an image in your mind of tear and gnashing of teeth, it's very hard for you to peel that away even as you grow into adulthood. And What it did on our nervous systems, you know, we would know that we were supposed to want the rapture, but a majority of us, good Christians, were still scared and didn't want the rapture because we liked life. We wanted to live. We were horrified, and that kind of thing and what it does to our body that continues into adulthood on cellular levels—and I'm talking scientific, not um, woo-woo—is detrimental and is a reason that a lot of us can still be triggered and worried about these things. The biggest worry about the rapture is how it has changed the world, and especially the United States because, hey, we're early adapters of that rapture theology. And we've seen between Waco, uh, which very much was apocalyptic thinking and believed in the signs. We've seen it in people interpreting that the angels that were coming to hearken God, you know, were aliens that people are seeing. We've seen a lot of events that hinge on apocalyptic thinking as well as, you know, people being apathetic, Christians being apathetic to things we need to have done. So when they're like, here the end times, look at the signs, how can you be so blind? And we want to say, oh yeah, that extreme weather, maybe you should have listened to scientists and put some policies in place. Maybe we would start seeing some different things. Nope. Oh, but look at the worldwide disease. Well, why didn't it happen during the bubonic plague? Why didn't it happen during the Spanish flu? But how about y'all wear fucking masks and get vaccines and then say, look at what's happening because you're the ones that are causing it. Don't get me started on the wars and the rumors of wars and how... Some right-wing evangelistic people keep saying that civil war is inevitable. You all are the ones that are saying it. So you're the ones creating it, and therefore you're creating all the signs that you want to see. But in the end, just know the rapture isn't this week, and the rapture isn't even biblical. And it will be hard to convince the people who think it is— But you can always say, did you know that that idea first stemmed from a teenage girl having a dream in Glasgow, Scotland? And, you know, let it sit there. You write her name down for them, and they can Google it, and they can find out. So I guess we're going to be fucking here with them. Damn it. Have a good week.